So this year, we have been uh, uh, such a privilege to share in the theme of Unstoppable Love. But let me qualify that uh, this love is not just starting only this year, but this comes from the very heart of God, right from beginning. It has always been love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even the Word of God says that I've loved you with an everlasting love. So love existed in the Trinity even before the world came about, even before God created. So love is one of the foundation, the most important characteristics, attribute of God and of His people. Very interestingly, uh, this verse also speaks about us even as disciples. You know, as disciples, we are imitators of God, more specifically, imitators of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we know that God is love. In First uh, John chapter 4, it says that God is love above all things. We know that God is holy. God is righteous. God is merciful. God is gracious. But one thing, that underlines all these things, and God is holy, is that God is love. And so, because He loved us, this is where we are called to love Him in the way that He has loved us. And how does He say? He says, we walk in love. In the New Living, it says that, live your life in love. That means live your life loving people as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Our Lord Jesus has brought love, the word agape in the Greek, to a new level. And He has introduced the word to the church, to the New Testament church, like never before. Only in the Christian faith, only in the church, we find this category, this level of love, and it is called agape. And this is a love that you cannot find anywhere else because there are other three other uh, uh, meanings of love. The other one is torch, which means the parents' love for a children. The other one is eros, you're talking about uh, romantic love. And then we have filial love, which is talk about friendship love. And all this love will be part of a family, part of a marriage, but above all else, there's the one love that distinguishes us, distinguishes the church, distinguishes the body of Christ from any other people in the world, any other religion. It is the agape love, the unconditional love, the sacrificial love, the selfless love, the other-centered love that God has shown on us. And so this is the expectation when Jesus looks at us just like Jesus looked at the fig tree and expect figs to come out. And when a fig tree does not produce fig, then what did Jesus do? He cursed the fig tree. He says, you have been created. I made you to produce figs and I don't see figs. I see leaves, I see everything else but figs. I know my wife asked me not never to quote her, but I must quote something that, that, that she's doing right now. When, because she works in a particular uh, nature in her training, she is working in a, 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 a dental uh, a group. So one of the things that she has learned throughout the years is every time she sees people, she will look at people's teeth. Huh? So when you see her, be careful, huh? don't go too near. She'll always look at your teeth because she's so used to it. So the same thing. When people come to church and they look at Christians, one of the first things is not to look at your teeth, but to they look at the love. This is the most important characteristics. Of course, people say that a church must have this activity, must have love, must have charity, must do this thing. But one of the cri important criteria that differentiates us and all the other religions is that is their love. So when people pick or pick a boo, and come into a step into a church and they look at the church people and they look at the environment. One of the most important things they look is, is there love? Is there loving people? Is there a loving attitude? And this is the, the, the same thing that Jesus did when He gave Himself to you and I 
where Jesus went to the cross. And upon that cross, He showed His love for the Father. He showed His love for you and me. And what happened? What, what, what is the response of that kind of love? That self-sacrificial, unconditional love. And the Word of God here says that it becomes a fragrant offering. So beautiful the smell than more, all other perfumes. It becomes a sweet-smelling fragrance when we love the way that God loves. You know, God's nostrils, He goes there and says, Amazing! That is how I love you and you love one another and you love your church and you love people and you love the lost. You know, it becomes a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We know that Pastor Linda did the prayer for the offering. You know, we are always called to give. But one of the things that Jesus is looking for, you know that Jesus walks among the churches, and just like the, in, in the Revelations from chapter 2 onwards, Jesus is walking in every church. And when He picked into the church, He will look at that, is there love? Because this is my church. They call themselves the assembly of God. And they say they love Jesus. And He begins to pick and says, is there love? Because if there's love, and our worship goes up, it becomes a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In the Old Testament, they used to sacrifice the animals. They used to bring all the products of, the, of their fields and they would begin to burn the, 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 the animal offerings and begin, if it goes up to God and says, He's pleased because they are doing it, they are sacrificing to me. But in today, in the New Testament, in the church today, in the end time church, in the last days church, what is it? that goes to God's nostrils and He delights in us. It is our love for Jesus Christ. It is our love for one another. And very specifically today, it is our love for His church, not my church, not your church. As a church, we always have to listen to the voice of the Spirit. We know that as the light began to, to go brighter, as the light of Christ, as Jesus' come, time of coming is ever nearer, we are living in the end times. We know that as the light grows brighter, the light that comes from the church, the light that comes from Christians, do you know? Darkness also will increase. And so when darkness increases, sometimes Christians, sometimes churches will be deceived into thinking that we are doing well, that we are doing as a, right as a church. But these are some of the things that we need to look into. And uh, we have to be careful of the consumer mindset. We have to be careful of deception like that happened in some of the churches in the book of Revelations. And so, here the first list, we have the consumer mindset that sometimes when we come to church, it's a place where we go to meet nice people. I'm sure all of us want to meet nice people, right? We don't want to meet uh, grumpy people. We don't want to meet sad people. We don't want to meet people who will scold us when we come to church, right? Especially when you see the ushers, you see the traffic controllers, you see the worship team, you see the pastors greeting you. You want to see nice people. But the church is more than just coming to meet nice people. It is coming to meet people who love regardless. People who love in spite of what they are going through. They still show love. And sometimes we think that we come to church because God will help our lives to get better. And then we come to church and say, if I don't go to church, maybe something will happen to me. And so it happened that sometimes people, uh, they, they, they get up late or, they, uh, or somehow they miss church. And then something bad happened to me. Oh yeah, see lah? That's why I didn't go to church. That's why something bad happened to me. But that is not the reason why something bad happens to us. It is because your attitude. If you really can't come to church because you are not well or because something is urgent, don't feel guilty. Because coming to church does not make us more closer to God because we are already loving God. But still, very important, we have to come to church for the right reason. Some of us think that, oh, we come to church, God will help me in my business. Or maybe in the church, I can help, I can, I can do business with people. But that is not the right reason. That is not a good reason to come to church. Yes, God wants to bless all our lives, bless our homes, bless our finances. But we must come to God first and to seek God, and then He will provide for us what we need in our lives. Some say that, oh, He will come and He will bless my family. Sometimes the church has been accused of being a bless me club. That means we come only for blessing. We don't want anything else. 
we don't give money, we don't serve God, we don't worship, we don't pray. I just want to be blessed only. That is not the place. The church is a place that not only you receive blessing, but you are called to be a blessing to others. You are called to bless the ministry of God. You are called to go out and make, be a blessing to the world, to the community. I know some for some husbands, they say, I come to church to please my wife. And uh, it doesn't matter. If the husband comes to church, it's a good sign first. At least you step into the church. At least the Word of God, at least the power of God will begin to touch and heal you. But please, I encourage, come to church because of God, not because of your spouse. Not because you want to earn bonus points with your wife so that she will cook something better or don't put anything inside the cooking. But this is important. We come to church not to make somebody happy, not even to make ourselves happy, but we come to church because we owe God, because we love God, because we worship God. And then there will be people who come and spiritualize it and say, we come to church to worship God and get spiritual nourishment, which is good. But there's a problem here if it just stops at there. That means you see this is just receiving and not giving. Because in the church of Jesus Christ, in the kingdom of God, it's never just taking and receiving. It is always receiving one hand and giving out the other hand. As we have been blessed, as we have been given, we give others. And I thank God for in our church, in Glad, glad Tidings, we have many people who are amazing, extravagant givers in the kingdom of God for the work of the ministry, to bless the poor, to bless the downtrodden. And you know what? Their lives, you can see in their lives when they receive on one hand and they give out on their hand, you can see the blessing that comes in their families, blessing that comes in their health, blessing that comes in their, uh, in their business, in their work. But the proper way to see the church the proper reason why we are in church, why we come to church. Actually, this is not uh, actually biblically correct. We don't actually come to church because the church is not a building. The church is you and I. We come together as the church. So the church, when the church comes together, that is more correct. That is more biblical because you and I, we are the temple of God. We are the church of Jesus Christ. So those who trust in Christ are organically joined to other members so that they are one body with them under Christ, a member of the family of God, related to other family members with a God-given ministry to fulfill. The moment you and I accept the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what the Holy Spirit does? He plants us. He grafts us into the body of Christ, into Jesus Christ, into the church of Jesus Christ. He plants us into the kingdom of God so that we become related spiritually, so that we become members of His family. We become brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so a member of the family of God related to other families with a God-given ministry to fulfill. That means we are not here just to be nice to each other. We are here to be in connection, to be in relationship, encouraging, helpful, uh, ministering to one another because of the gifts that God has given us. All have different gifts. And to use that gift, to bless and to serve one another and to serve the church. Stephen Cole says this, the local church is a gathering of those who believe in Jesus Christ as Saviour and Lord, who are committed to meet regularly for worship, teaching, fellowship and prayer and who help make disciples of all people. So even at the beginning of the year 2018, even as we are on the theme of unstoppable love, even as Pastor Vincent, our main pastor, has started off with the love of the Father, it is very important to see the church that Jesus Christ has died for, the church that He has won for Himself, and the church that He is presenting to His Father. This is the church. This is what the local church, this is what this church should be doing regularly, constantly, unchangingly until 
you and I are caught up in the air in the rapture to meet the Lord in the air. We are called to continue, not just to start, start well and believe, but to continue to believe in Jesus Christ as our Saviour and as the Lord. And those who are committed to meet regularly for worship, for teaching, for fellowship and prayer, and all who help make disciples of all people. So what happens is that we are called to meet face to face, person to person, life on life, not online, not on the internet. But this is where we can see each other, we can touch each other, we can smell each other. We can hug each other. We can pray for one another. We can lay hands on one another. We can come alongside and say, Brother, sister, I'm with you in your time of difficulty. Let me pray for you as you have prayed for me previously. So this is that, is that, 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 is that, that inter-ministry uh, between one and another. There are many metaphors in the Bible very importantly, we have to come back again at the beginning of the year to remind myself, to remind you, who is the church? What is the church? Before we can understand and, and, and be part of this powerful church. The church is the most powerful body in, on earth. There's no other power that's more powerful than the church of Jesus Christ. And the reason why is that because the church is His body. The body of Jesus Christ is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with Himself. We don't need to add on to the church of Jesus Christ. We don't need to add on to our faith when we have Jesus Christ and when we belong to Jesus and when we are part of the church of Jesus Christ. We have all that we need in life to grow in holiness, to grow in righteousness, to be prepared, to grow in maturity, to grow in Christ-likeness, not alone, but together as the people of God. So the first metaphor that is important in the Scripture, in the Word of God, is that the church is the body of Christ. The head, who is the head? The church is the organic living body of Christ. Each member must be in submission to Jesus as the head and in complementary relationship with other members of the body. That means if Jesus is the head of the church, we are the body. We are different parts of the body. We are the hands, we are the feet, we are the eyes because we function differently in the church. Whether, regardless of which ministry we are, God has given us a each one of us, at least one spiritual gift to function in the body. And that's why Paul says in Corinthians, we need one another. There cannot be, we cannot say, I can do everything by myself because brothers and sisters, we don't have all the 24 gifts of the Holy Spirit. Each one of us have one or two. Only Jesus had all the gifts of the Holy Spirit in His ministry. But for each one of us, and that's why there is an interdependence. We need one another in order to be fruitful in our ministry as a church, as a cell, as the people of God. Secondly, the church is also the bride of Christ. Paul presents this image in Ephesians. Do you know very interestingly, Paul used a very important earthly example of husbands loving the wives just as Christ loved the church. And every time I read this verse in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it began to put that fear of God in me that as a husband is a very heavy responsibility. Even as I'm reminded, and how did Jesus love His bride, the church? He gave of His life. How do husbands have to live and, 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 and love their wife? They are, are they willing to give their, their, their life for their wives? Recently, I had a, a, a meal with a couple. And uh, from the things that the wife shared about the husband, I see this working out in Ephesians chapter 5. The husband was willing to sacrifice his life for his wife. When there were, when there were very tense situations, where their safety was concerned, the husband was willing to say, don't touch my wife. Do anything to me, but don't touch my wife. Wow! Husbands, 
can we live up to that standard? This is a very high standard, right, Brother Adi? Very high standard for all of us to, be, to love our wives in that way. And this is what Jesus has done. And when we see that, we say, wow, if we want to know how much Jesus loved the church, look in the church, look at the husbands. Are the husbands being other-centered? Are the husbands thinking of the benefit only of the wives? Can you imagine what kind of marriage that marriage would be? It will be a powerful, loving, godly, powerful example of Jesus loving the church. So we love the church just as Jesus loved the church. One of the things that we have to remind us as disciples, as the people of God, is that we need to learn to love all that God loves, all that Jesus loves, and we will hate anything that Jesus hates. We know one of the things that He hates is the devil, Satan, because the devil is always coming to steal, to kill, to destroy, to lie and to deceive and to derail us and to cause us to doubt God. But if we know what God loves, we also have to love the thing. That is the only way to please God when we love the way He loves us. So the church is called in Greek the Ecclesia, which is the call out community. Jesus is calling out His bride. Jesus is preparing His bride when He comes again. Jesus is the bridegroom who is preparing His bride. So sometimes we think that Jesus was single, so He cannot speak about marriage. But Jesus is the best bridegroom, the most faithful bridegroom, the most loving bridegroom. And He is preparing you and me to be His bride. Holy, blemished, unwrinkled, when He comes again. The third one is the church is the family or household of God. That means families get together for relationship because of the common family bond. Do you know the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray is that it starts off with our Father in heaven. The moment you and I are, are placed, are anchored, are grafted into the family of God, God becomes our Father. Jesus is our Lord. And we become, belong to the spiritual family of God. And if we are spiritual family of God, then what makes each one of us, those who are sitting beside us, behind us, in front of us, we become fellow members in the family of God. And that's why we need to see each other differently because we are all of the household of God. And family will be family. There will not be perfect family on this earth. We have to remember that families usually don't abandon family, right? We will argue one day, we will love the next day, then we will separate one day, and then we will come back again the next day. That is the normal family. But in the, but in the, in the family of God, it's just the same. Because in the family of God, there will be differences. Sometimes there will be arguments, sometimes there will be misunderstanding, sometimes there may be quarrels. But very importantly is that as a family, we have the Lord as, and the Holy Spirit as our counsellor, as a mediator to bring us back to reconcile and say, children, children, forgive as I forgive. Love as I forgive. Be merciful as I'm merciful. Be kind towards one another as I'm kind. So this is something that we see in the church of Jesus Christ. And it is something that is so different everywhere else you go. And we pray that Glad Tidings will be a church that when people pick into Glad Tidings, where people step into Glad Tidings, especially people who want to know whether we are real or not, they can see the love for each one of us, for the Lord, for each other, and for anyone who walks in because the church of Jesus Christ is not a club. It's not an exclusive club by membership, but it is a hospital for all the sick, for the needy, for anyone and everyone. And so our team, Christmas, come home, welcome home. So anyone who is far from God, we welcome them home because this is where they rightfully belong. 
because of what Satan has done in their life, because of what sin has done in their life, because of the influence of the world, they have been drawn away from God. But when they are open to the good news, when they are open to the love of the church and the love of the members, do you know what happens? When we welcome them, they will come with open arms, their lives will be transformed, and they will see, I finally come home to God. So to come home to God is to come home to love and acceptance and forgiveness. The church is the temple of God. It's a very important metaphor in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Now this puts a really, really important reminder to each one of us that not only are we the body of Jesus Christ, not only are we the sheep of Jesus Christ, not only are we the family of Jesus Christ, but very carefully, we are the temple of God. People who have been involved in previous religion will know how much fear and reverence they give to the temple. They don't simply do anything when they go into a holy place. They honour and respect whatever spirits and God. So, but here... When you talk about the church of Jesus Christ, you and I are the temple. There are two instances in the book of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 3 says, Together as the church of Christ, we are the temple. And in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, Individually, we also are the temple of God. So when you and I come to church on a Sunday, on a Saturday, on a Wednesday for corporate prayer, or even on the mornings for, for, for early morning prayer. Do you know what happens? It is the temple of God coming together to form one big temple. And this is where God abides. God resides. And so this is where you and I will have to, 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 to understand that this is a holy place where God lives in his temple and he expects people to reverence him to honor him to worship him he doesn't expect people to continue to live in their sin to continue to 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 have one leg in the world and one leg in the church because we are the temple of god and so because of the word ecclesia that means we are the call out ones call out from our the world of sin and brokenness and wickedness call in to be a holy people. And Peter says, be holy, for God is holy. And so one of the things as a people who love God is that we have to realize that we are also the temple of God. The church is the flock of God. That means Jesus being the shepherd. We are one of the enduring examples Metaphor is of Jesus being the shepherd and we are the sheep. And so, very importantly, we have to realize is that we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to the shepherd. Even as under-shepherds, pastors, zone leaders, cell leaders, associate cell leaders, we don't own the sheep. We are just stewards of the sheep. We just oversee. And that's why it says, be careful, pastors. Be careful, zone leaders, cell leaders. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Remember when we treat each other when we see each other, when we relate to one another, whether it's in the church, in the cell, in the ministry, very importantly is that there is an owner. Each one of us belongs to one owner and his name is Jesus. And we are the sheep of Jesus Christ. And he is guiding and protecting his sheep. Jesus told Peter, look after my sheep, feed my sheep, not eat the sheep. Sometimes, we forget that and we begin to hurt the sheep and we begin to eat the sheep and destroy the sheep. But this is not what, what Jesus is saying. Jesus told Peter, you love me? Three times do you love me? 
Peter was getting a bit more upset. Yes, I love you. I love you. I love you. First time Jesus asked Agape, do you love a willing to lay down your life like I'm going to do? And Peter says, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you know this is how much Jesus loved his sheep? How much Jesus loved his church? That's why as leaders, as pastors and ministers, we have to be very careful at how we care for the sheep, how we guide the sheep, how we look after the sheep, how we protect the sheep because Jesus is just as concerned for the sheep, even more concerned for the sheep because Jesus died for the sheep. The other metaphor is Jesus in the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. So that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. There's a proper conduct in the house of God, in the church of God. We just cannot live any way we want. We cannot go back to our old ways of living. We must love God. We must love the people of God. We must treat them in the way that God treats them. We must forgive them. We must handle them gently the way that God handles them. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Means as a church, we must stand firm in proclaiming and practicing the truth. That's why it's so important to belong in the truth. All people who are independent, who are solo, who watch the church from their living room are in danger of being deceived, are in danger of being taken away from the fellowship of God, from being corrected on the truth of God. The more we are in the fellowship, the more we are together in, in, in the truth of God, we will check on one another. We will teach one another. We will correct one another. That's why one of the roles of the pastor, of the preacher, is to rebuke, is to correct, and is to encourage the sheep to walk correctly, to walk rightly because we are God's sheep, we are God's temple and not allow the wolves, not to allow the bears to steal the sheep away. So how do we respond? One of the things that we discover about the church, what the church is, the church is the bride of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the family of God. The church is the temple of God. The church is the sheep of God. The church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Now it comes to, what does it make a difference in my life? The question is, so what do I do? How do I conduct myself as a member of his body, as a member of his church? One of the most important things to do, if Jesus loved his church, if Jesus died for his church, if Jesus continues to walk among the churches, and that's what Jesus is doing, because he's everywhere now, because he is the Lord of the church. So just like the churches, the seven churches in Revelation, where John tells that Jesus walks among the churches. The seven churches represents all churches in all ages. And the problems and the good things that happen in all the seven churches may be happening here in our church and may be happening in other churches too. And so there is always that warning. Jesus is always looking and watching out for His church because it is His sheep, it is His flock, because it is His body. And so if we love God, if we truly say we love God, there is a practical outworking of that love. And as to love what God loves, to love His church, to love one another, so that you and I will prove to the world. The world always needs proof. The world is always looking for proof that we are true Christians, we are true disciples, that we are truly His church. And what is the sign? What is the badge? The badge of each one of us is that 
we love God and we love one another and we love His church. So we are called to imitate Christ and to live a life of love. Jesus gave His commands to His disciples. And he, in, in, in Matthew chapter 28, how do, how do we make disciples? By baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And yes, I'm with you until the end of the age. And it is said there, there are 212 commands that are given by Jesus in the New Testament. And, if, and it all starts with the first two. It all starts with the, great, the greatest commandment and the second greatest commandment, to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love one another. Because out of this, when we can do the first and the second greatest commandment, among all the commandments, all the other commandments we can do, we will fulfill all the other commandments. So that's why the safest place in all the world is in the will of God. When you and I choose to please God, when you and I choose to obey God according to His Word, according to what the Spirit of God is speaking to us, then I can tell you there's no safer place in the world to be in than to be in the will of God. So today we want to get this right. As much as we are so proud as much as we are so happy for our church, but more importantly, we must love His church. It is still His church. He is still the owner of this church, the one who purchased this church for us. I love His church. This year, we will make a fresh new commandment. We will love His church. You know, when we love His church, we will begin to love one another. That will be such an unselfish love because His church is a church that walks by love. For the time has come for judgment and must begin with God's household. If judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? Even as we have crossed over from 2017 to 2018, we may have been hurt, we may have been wounded, we may have been discouraged, we have somehow had some experience in the church or with Christians or with our brothers and sisters. But one thing that is sure is that God is always calling people to come back to loving the church. One of the things that we have to ask ourselves, if we somehow are not anchored in the church, we are not rooted in the church. Some of you here might be thinking of moving somewhere. Some of you just has just come and joined our church. And so this is a question, and some of you have been faithful. I think many of us have been faithful in this church for many, many years. Myself, in my 20 over years in the Lord, I've been to three churches. And the reason why I came from the other church because I came to KL from Penang and that's why I joined this church. So this is my third church. But there are many of you here that Glad Tidings is, has been your one and only church. Praise God. Because you have rooted, put down your roots here. You have planted yourself here. Just now, just before the service started, I just speak... To, I was speaking to a leader and he was talking about the daughter's, the, the son-in-law's parents. The parents left the church in the US because their teenage son passed away. They become angry with God. And because of that, they stopped going to church. And so this is something that we need to address. Hi, why do we take it out, take it on God, why do we blame, put the blame on God when things doesn't happen to us? 
Because one of the things that we need to realize is that God's love never fails, never changes. Even as we have sung just now, the songs that we have sung are biblical because in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, God's love never fails. God's love never ends. And in Romans, it says that nothing can separate us from God's love. Even if a tragedy happens in the family, does it mean that God loves us less? Does it mean that God turned His faith on? No. His love will always be there. As a proof, as a very important example, if God was willing to give up His Son to show His love for us, did He blame the church because of you, my son died? Did he blame Christians and say, because of you, I have to give up my son? No. God willingly gave up his son so that you and I can be the church, so that you and I can love, so you and I can be his vehicle to change the world. Sometimes as humans, we like to blame people for everything. And our number one target is God because many times it's easier to blame God. God cannot speak to me. God cannot argue back. Even Job was asked to blame God by his wife. Blame God lah, blame God. But then we are looking at the wrong direction. Tragedies, sicknesses, financial reversals will happen to all of us, Christians or not Christians, because we are living in a fallen world, unjust world. This world is unfair. Life is unfair. But praise God, we just have to pray, we have to trust God that He loves each one of us. He loves us through our problems. Sometimes we pray selfishly and say, Lord, take me out of this situation. But Lord sometimes wants to bring us through this situation. The, more, the better prayer is to say, Lord, go with me through this situation. Carry me through this situation. That is a more prayer that will go into the will of God. Because many times God allows us to go through our trials for His reason, for His purpose. And the Word of God says, His ways are higher than our ways. And so, the question that we should ask ourselves is that if you and I are vacillating and thinking of going here and going there, then we have to ask ourselves is, where is the love? Where is the love for, the original love for Jesus? Where is the love for His church? Somebody was saying is that the grass always looks greener on the other side. But then a wise person says, if we look after the grass on our side, it will look just as good as the other side. There will always be other churches over there. There will always be churches, especially in the Klang Valley. We, are, we, are, we have a problem of too many churches here. And so if we keep on jumping from church to church, we have to begin to ask ourselves, where is the love for God? If we are easily hurt by people in the church or the church itself, then our hope, our faith was not in God, but our faith was in people. Don't come to church for the people. Come to church because we love God. And He will teach us how to love people. Do you know, we need, all need to learn how to love people. It is not automatic. It is not natural. The natural love that we have is based on feeling and emotion and the environment. But the agape love comes from God Himself. So what is happening here in the church of, in Ephesus, in the book of Revelations, is that when Jesus was walking into the church of Ephesus, and Jesus could be walking here today, and says, where is the love? You started so well. You imitated me in loving people. What happened to your love for the church? What happened to your love for souls? What happened to your love for God? And so the warning is coming to you and I. Because Jesus is coming soon. And in, his, in the first stage of His coming, He says no one knows when He's coming. He will just come and then we will be caught up in the air. But one of the things that He will look on is our heart. Whether our heart is 
angry, our heart is hurting, our heart is bitter, our heart is unforgiving towards one another, towards the church, towards the pastors, towards people, or whether our heart is right before God. And that is what Jesus is doing today to you and I, to guard our hearts, to make sure that the love is always flowing in our lives. And how do we do that? When we come to church, this gives us an opportunity to love people. This gives us an opportunity to love imperfect people like you and I. People who are work in progress like you and I. So how do we come back? It's to remember the original love. Remember how much that God loves us first. Even before we love, Jesus loves us. So when we remember the love of God in our brokenness, in our lostness, we begin to realise is that when we come back to His original love, we'll begin to realise we have missed so much on God's purpose, on God's will for our life. We are called to love, to forgive, to be a blessing to others. And so, what do we do? We repent. Repent is turning around and says, Lord, I'm sorry for being unforgiving. Sorry for being critical. Sorry for always trying to blame people. Blame my husband, blame my wife, blame my children, blame my pastor, blame my cell leader for everything that is wrong in my life. And blame the government if you cannot find anybody else to blame. But the, 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 the most important thing here is to say that, Lord, perhaps it is my heart that needs healing my heart that have grown bitter because of hurts and wounds. And this is where we come. That's why the church has an altar to come before God and say, Lord, I've sinned against you. I have kept unforgiveness. I've been bitter. I have been angry towards people in my life. I blame you, God, for what you have done in my life or what you didn't do in my life. You didn't answer my prayer according to how I, 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 I told you to pray, to, to answer my prayer. Sometimes we do that. And then what do we do? We come back to loving again. You know, loving is not natural. Loving people depends on whether people are lovable or not. People are nice. There are some people who are so lovable, so easy to love. Huh? In the cell group, we know that. Huh? So easily, automatically, you can love them. Huh? But other people are harder to love. And that's where natural love ends. That's where agape love comes. That's where this love supersedes all love. Because this love loves people in spite of themselves. This, and that's how God loved us. We were unlovable. We were ugly. We were sinful. We were far away from God. And God loved us. And so this is the same thing. When we start out with Scripture, be imitators of God. Be merciful. Be loving. Be forgiving as Jesus was loving and forgiving to you and I. So love is the greatest and most important virtue in the church of Jesus Christ. Agape love is unconditional, sacrificial, self-giving and other-centered love. Agape enables us to live life in the supernatural. We all like to watch the Avengers. We all like to watch Superman and Spider-Man because they all have special powers. But do you know that the church has special powers? You and I have the Holy Spirit in us. You and I can pray for people. Not just the few select anointed people. All of us can pray for people. All of us have supernatural power to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ, to share our testimonies, to have the wisdom of God for different situations. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. God Himself is love. We know that God has many, many wonderful attributes. He's holy. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's righteous. He's just. But one of the things that were, has really drawn us to the Lord is His love. That's how I was drawn to Jesus, by the love of God. When I felt so unlovable, when I felt so undeserving, when I felt so sinful, and I entered and just allowed God to speak to me and to assure me and to embrace me. That was the thing that melted my heart. That was the time that I gave my life to God. It is the love of God.
I know this scripture is very popular for all those who come for Christian weddings. But this is not just for husbands and wives. This is for the church of Jesus Christ. It is the is what to do and what not to do. This is the measure of Christian love. This is the definition of true agape love. It is patient and kind. Patient means long-suffering. You are prepared to suffer long, even when our spouses are not in the Lord yet. And what love is not, love is not jealous. Love is not boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand on its own way. Love is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. How often we keep our, our anger towards people and say, I cannot forget what you did to my life. And this is not love. This is unforgiveness. This is holding on to the bitterness. And the Word of God says, the root of bitterness will cause us to be bitter, angry, grumpy people that nobody dares to come near us. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoice whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstances. I like the New Living Translation, the way it says it. Love never gives up. Sometimes people will give up on us, but God never gave up on us. Even when we fall, we get up, we fall again, God says, get up. You can do it. And if God can do it for us, we should do it for others. And this is the proof that we are in Christ, that we are part of His church because the local church is different from the invisible church. The invisible church or the universal church are those who actually belong to Jesus Christ. In the local church, like a church like this, perhaps there will be some here who are not in the body yet, who are not in the church yet, who are not baptized in the body of Jesus Christ yet because they have made, not made a commitment to the Lord yet. They've come here because they want to meet nice people. They come here maybe they want to make business contacts. They come here because they want to feel good because sometimes the church setting and we feel very nice, very quiet, very good. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstances. So if we truly love each other, we truly love the church of Jesus Christ, we are not easily offended. We are not easily stumbled. We are not easily hurt. We will be able to say, my brother, my sister, my leader, my pastor is also God's work in progress. I will be patient. I will love them. I will pray for them. The pastors need prayer. Ministers need prayer because we are all not there yet. We cannot love God without loving others. These two are interrelated. Love is not only expected and to be reflected, it must also be directed. Whoever loves much does much just like the sinful woman who kissed the feet of Jesus, wiped Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped it with her hair. It was the outcome of her um, a radical love for Jesus Christ. Jesus, I'm so undeserving. I'm so sinful and yet you choose to forgive me. You choose to love me. Jesus, for the rest of my life, I'm going to love you. And whatever that you love, I will love. And Jesus loved people. Jesus loved His church. So very importantly, let me just quickly go through this, just a, a very important thing. How do we show that we love the church? So what? How does it apply to you and me today? Is that we love His church. And Jesus walks in the churches and says, I know what's going on. Loving the church means when you come into the house of God, act as if you are coming to meet the king. Do you know when you go to meet the king to get your, all the various titles, what do you do? You dress your best. You come early. You don't come late. You make sure that you walk properly. You make sure that you don't play with your phone. You make sure that you don't carry the coffee and come into the sanctuary of God. You make sure you don't talk loud. You make sure that you don't spend more time outside the church than inside the church. Walk in and walk out, walk in, walk out. No. 
Because this is the house of God. You are meeting the King. This is how we show we love God. When we respect God, when prayer is going on, we stop, we, we stand still, and we don't disrupt people because we are honouring God. We dress properly. We don't stumble people by what we dress. One young teenager was telling the father, I'm going to church now. And she was wearing so skimpy, you know, can, above everything can be seen. And then he told the father, but the pastor says you must open everything to God. But this is not what God means. We are we want to be exposed to God, but when we come to church, brothers and sisters, please dress properly because this is the house of God. This is the place where people come to worship God, to hear from God. Don't stumble other brothers and sisters by what you wear. Don't stumble other people by how your attitude towards God. We love one another by connecting. That means relationship. Very important, remember, the church is the household of God. So this is the place for us to get to know one another. And so what happened, like what Pastor Linda did just now, mingle time is only one minute. But I know for a lot of people, are you too long? I don't want to shake too many hands. I don't want to meet too many people. But then we have to realise that if you are part of the church of God, this is a place of relationship. This is a place of family. Family gather together. What is the thing they do? They talk, they laugh, they argue, and they serve together. And that is what we are supposed to do. We should be in relationship to one, connecting to one another. Do you know the church provides a lot of opportunities for us to connect and this one, this morning was one of them. We have the fellowship garden there. We have the best and cheapest coffee in Malaysia out there. Why is the reason for us is to stay back and talk to your friends. Don't run out after church, but say, hey, I haven't met you, brother. I haven't met you, sister. Where do you come from? Which cell do you go through? Sometimes there'll be people who are isolated. They are just alone here for whatever reason. This is where we can meet people and bring them to our cell group, bring them to our family in a community. So the job of greeting visitors, we thank God for visitors every week that comes. It's not just for the hospitality team. We pray that every one of us will be excited to see visitors come because it is more new family members coming to join us. And this is, we should swarm the visitor until the visitor says, stop, stop, stop. We should say, hey, how are you? Where do you come from? How do you know about glad tidings? Come and join us in our visitor's lounge. Coffee, tea, drinks, food, prayers, everything will be provided for you. So this is how we should relate to one another, connecting to one another, loving one another, praying for one another. And you know, that will make a difference when people, pre-believers, people who are seeking, come to church and say, wow, I feel the love. I see the love. I experience the love. Not just from the hospitality team, not just from the pastors, but from every member. Now maybe on your right, on your left, behind you, there could be a new believer. There could be someone who has not been connected to the cell, to the church. Perhaps you are the person to connect. Perhaps God is speaking to you. Talk to this person. Invite the person for a meal. Go to our EML cafe. Bring the person to our glad shop and buy something. Go to the fellowship garden. So this is an opportunity for us to be family again. If we love God, we will love His people. We will love His church. We love one another by serving. And we are so thankful to the Lord for the wonderful ministry volunteers that we have. There are so many ministries in the services ministry. You see everyone serving you, wishing you, greeting you, the, every team that is here. And one of, the, one of the things that we you also see as you come down the ramp is the beautiful landscape, the waterfall that is coming up now. And it's a team of just four persons slowly doing little by little every Saturday. And they do it because they love the church of God. They love God's people. 
And so all the other ministries in the Horeb ministry, the, 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 the healing room ministry, we have the food bank ministry, we have the services, we are counselling, we have the sports ministry. There are so many places for us to serve. I know it's good to be served. But Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. So if we really love God, we love the church, we will say, I will serve. I pray that you will go and ask your leader, ask the pastor, where can I serve God today? Because I love God's church. Because the church makes a difference in the community, in the nation. I don't try to get into ministry. I just love people full time. Sometimes people say, but I don't know what to do. What? I don't know where to serve. What? If you love people, start off anywhere first. Then you will find your place to serve. If you really love God, you love the church, you will find a place to serve God because we need as many people to serve. The harvest really is in. We love one another by giving. It's learning to share not only our time and talents but also treasure with others. Like the early church who gave generously for the work of the ministry, the poor, the needy and support for missions. God gave. The, the one who loves God and His church gives. The one who gives, loves. We cannot love without giving. Just like what Pastor Linda shared just now. And Billy Graham said it so well. God has given us two hands. One to receive with and the other to give with. We praise God for generous givers, good givers in our church. But giving is a sign of how much you love God, how much you love His church. We love one another by praying together. Early in the morning, the intercessors are praying. On Fridays, the pastors pray for the church, pray for the services, pray for the people of God. And there are different pockets of people praying throughout the week in the morning watch, in a Wednesday night meeting. All over, people are praying in all language churches because prayer is a powerful weapon. It's the one that will defeat laziness, defeat complacency, continue to affirm our dependence on God. Praying is saying that, God, we depend on you. This is not our church. We cannot build the church. You will build your church. We love one another by sharing our faith beyond the walls of the church. The love that we are to have for one another is so meant to show our community what the love of Jesus looks like. Many people are afraid to tell people to share the gospel. But this is a good advice. Stop trying to think about evangelism. It's such a big word. Just love people. If you and I love people, if you and I love people, we will share, be able to share our testimony. Share what God has done in your life and that is good enough. Many of us have been hurt in the church, in this church or other church. And sometimes we find it hard to love. This is a time for healing as we begin the year, a time of renewal, a time of rededication. McMillan says, don't go to church for the people. Go to church because you love God. Then He will teach you how to love people. It's the Holy Spirit that will continue to put the love in our hearts for people. The agape love. We don't try to love people by our own. We love people with the love of God. We love people because we are encouraged by our community. That's why it's so important to be the church and to come together as a church so that we will encourage other. The Word of God says, encourage each other to do good and to love. By ourselves, who's going to encourage us to love, to do good, to win? No. But by together as a family, together as the body of Christ, we will love others. Our Lord Jesus, Head of the Church, expects each one of us to be planted, to belong and to serve in a local church. Don't speak bad about your church. Yes, GT is not, Glad Tidings is not perfect. None of us is perfect. But be thankful that God is here, that God is working through His church. If God has placed you here, be faithful. Bloom here. Where God has planted you, 
bloom like the sunflower, bloom like the flowers, bloom with, like, with the fruits that God has placed us here. Because this is where God has planted us. Don't look elsewhere. Don't grumble. Don't complain. Don't criticize. But ask the Lord, what can I do in this church? Where can I serve in this church? Which cell can I go in this church? How do I become more, to do more as a member of your church, Lord? We will never change the world by going to church. We will only change the world by being the church. Can you say an amen to that? And we are the church. If we love His church, if we love God, if we love one another, the world will be won for us. We will go out and we will show by our life, we will show by our unity, by our one accord, that there is a God that abides, that remains in the church and His name is Jesus and He is the God of love. So even as I end here, may we just come back, begin to hear what the Spirit of God is saying today for each one of us. This is the year of unstoppable love. The love of God is undeniable. The love of God we, we don't challenge, we don't question because we know deep within our hearts we have experienced God's love. But now, what do we do with all that God has done for us? Let's come back again. Let's turn around again. Let's do like what the Spirit is speaking to the church in Ephesus. Let's come back to loving God again. How do we practically love God? Love His people. Love the church. Because each of us comes from different backgrounds, different areas of bondages that we have come from and God has set us free. So we need to accept one another. We need to welcome one another. We need to love one another. We need to appreciate one another because God has placed us in this local body called Glad Tidings. And Glad Tidings belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. If we truly love God, brothers and sisters, today, we can say that I will love my church. I will serve in my church. I will give myself to the church of Jesus Christ because the church is the place where God is going to use the church, God's vehicle to change the world. May I just ask us to stand even as we conclude this meeting today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Even as we are in the second week of 2018, may this service be a recommitment, a renewal of rediscovering the radical, extravagant love of God and our love for God by loving His people, by loving His church. Perhaps there could be somebody here. This is the first time you come into a community of love and you are so touched by the love of God and you have yet to give your life to Jesus and you want to belong to this family of God. It's so simple because God has prepared you. All you have to do is say yes. Just give me just a few minutes and we just want to give opportunity for anyone here. If you have not given your life and now you say, I know that God truly loves me and I want to experience that love full time. I'm going to walk into the love of God. Just quickly raise up your hands. You have never surrendered your life to Jesus. Just very quickly because this is important. That is what the church is about. The church is about displaying, reflecting, directing the love of God to others because we have experience of it ourselves. 